Welcome to the Husky Hockey Podcast, your number one resource to remind you that the hell house that is lost in arena continues for the Huskies. It's been a it's been a tough road to hoe, a good trip going out to Kalamazoo. Still 0 for the 20s uh, for the Huskies. 0 and 6 now in the 2020s. A stark contrast, one might say, to the 7-0 and 3 the Huskies were in the 2010s. So flip that calendar to the next decade. That's meant, uh, like you said, struggles in Kalamazoo. I posted a YouTube video years ago after um, the Western Michigan goalie made a save and did a cocky toss away of the puck like it was nothing. And then he proceeded to lose that game and then get pulled early in the next game. Um, that might have been our last win there. <laughs> Come to think of it, I I might I might be the curse for this team. It's zero and six, and none of the games have been especially close. Crazy thing about it: the Friday game this weekend was the fourth time in the last five games there between these two teams that Western has beaten the Huskies by a score of six to two. That exact score. Then there was four nothing on Saturday, and then there was a three to one. Bronco win there last year. That's the closest of the bunch. Lots of six to two wins, which is a weird, not all that common score. Uh, and and during these six games, the Huskies have never had a lead in the games. So not especially competitive uh, showings for the Huskies. I'm 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 struggling because I'm at I'm at two kind of. I don't know, focal points, I guess you would say, on on this weekend and really about where this Husky team is at. You know, we could talk a little bit, you know, if you want to talk, or if you want to start, let's talk about Friday's game first. Okay. It, it was just kind of a, a, a sloppy game. But at the same time, you know, I'm not nearly as pessimistic um, on how the game really progressed. If you look at it from kind of a bird's eye view, I mean, you know, Frank definitely Ethan Frank for, for Broncos really took over the game. But if you break it down into stretches, you know, it was late in the second period pops in a goal. And then in the early third period, two goals within the first two minutes of the period. And by that time, yeah, the game was over, but you know, it was, you know, first period was kind of a slog. Um, second period, I even thought it was fairly even up until, you know, the Frank goal. And then I thought actually SCSU did a really good job maintaining possession, but at the same time, it didn't reflect really that much on the score sheets because again, we're running into the same problem here that the Huskies are not finding any type of consistency when it comes to five on five scoring. I, I, I'm, I'm, I'm frustrated, but at the same time, like I'm not nearly as down or I'm not going to say that this weekend was absolutely abysmal or that it was that we played absolutely terrible. I actually thought we played fairly well, but at the same time, we're not converting on our chances. And I think that con- not converting on our chances is, is more uh, indicative of our players not in a position to finish or not doing their job correctly versus a goalie is just standing on his head and playing miraculously. Like, like we can't keep saying, oh, you know, Seville played incredibly well. Rodin played incredibly well. Bussy played, like, eventually, so many goalies playing incredibly well, you have to turn it around and look in the mirror. Right, yeah. I, 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 don't, I wouldn't say the Huskies played well or even were generating a ton of chances and just weren't converting on those chances. It was a rough weekend. Really, I thought that the only period that the Huskies quote-unquote won was the first period on Saturday. Friday, I thought it was just a bad game all around. And and really, I mean, you said the second period they played a little bit better. I thought the only time that they had any real sustained pressure, they had two or three shifts uh, late in the second that they were pretty much in the western zone the whole time. Couldn't get a, and they had some decent chances. Um, I think it was Kupka had a had a nice grade A chance. Don't convert, and it's still one nothing at that point. They don't convert. Western goes 
back down the ice and scores on a yeah on a, that, that that second Frank goal. That was really the the gut punch in that game. Once mm-hmm. once once that one went in, and then of course a couple of quick goals in the third, it was pretty much over. And yeah, the Huskies scored a couple of garbage time goals in the third. And Western had been in the position where the St. Cloud has been in a couple of times this year, where they have a large lead in the third period and just trying to trying to salt the game away with without any more injuries. And so I'm not going to take too much away from the from that garbage time uh, opportunity uh, or pressure let's say that the huskies had on friday you know it was really from the get-go the uh the weekend got off to a bad start with uh with walker uh, what was what was your take on that walker penalty um oh well, i'm having a hard time remembering right now but i remember at the time thinking and the I, double it was the well, double review and well, it was that, the high that, sick <laughs> that was uh that was the the funny part was so Western's penalty box um, situation, talk about that. They clearly don't have room for both refs to be in the penalty box at the same time. And then there was some, yeah, maybe Saturday when I think Western had two guys in the box serving penalties. They couldn't fit another guy in. And there's been plenty of times that it's not uncommon to have three guys in the penalty box. It's not super, super common, but it's not totally rare either. That's a nice Lawson little. Uh, <laughs> thing there it's yeah he had one one ref at a time had to go in the penalty box uh, yeah I think I didn't I wasn't surprised that they that he was called for the major there Um, I mean the guy was gushing blood uh, the goalie and he had to believe I didn't realize that they had a backup in for a couple of I must mm-hmm. have missed and it partly was because St. Cloud wasn't I mean, they were on a penalty kill for five minutes so I didn't re- I don't know if the guy took a shot the uh, backup Western goalie, but I didn't realize I don't that, think he, he did. that he was, uh, that he, that Bussy had to leave the game. But I mean, he, it's kind of like the NHL. Like if you draw blood, you're going to get the double minor. I mean, so I wasn't surprised. I don't think it was intentional from his perspective to get the stick in there and cause so much blood loss, but something like that, it's almost, you almost expect it to happen. So I wasn't terribly surprised. So he's missed, he's lost for the entire game. Basically, I was at five minutes in. So, I mean, pretty much the whole game, he's he's gone. Uh, and they they had sort of rearranged the lines a little <laughs> bit on Friday. They had Chase Brand playing with with Walker and Brodzinski, which I thought was a little bit surprising. They really shuffled the lines on Saturday. And we'll talk more about that later. But, yeah, trying to have some new chemistry, shifting uh, you know Salquist off that line, plugging in Chase Brand. We never... Got to see if that was a, a if that was going to be a good sh- uh, change because, like I said, Walker went out right away, and so they had to they had to rearrange the lines after that and kind of scramble to to find a new line mate there. Um, and so the game really got off. The whole weekend got off to uh, on the bad on a bad foot, and seemingly the Huskies were chasing the Broncos all weekend and just could never could never solve Bussy and. Yeah, and as I said last week, this guy's, I think, a good goalie. Better better goalie than what his numbers prior to this weekend uh, showed. I mean, he had a three-something goals against, and uh, save percentage was south of 900. So based on the numbers so far this year, it seemed like he's a guy that Huskies could solve. But uh, he played well, but at the same time, I don't think the Huskies were really generating the, the kind of quality chances. And I, I thought that the... Uh, especially the top end guys were largely invisible uh, on the weekend. I thought like the best chances seeming like you know, Spalacy had a great a chance each night. Like I said, Kupka had a kind of a, a golden opportunity on Friday. Even Thomas Rocco, who was uh, inserted in the lineup on Saturday, he had a quasi breakaway chance on Saturday. And, and none of these opportunities were converted, obviously. And that's not a good sign when, your grade A's are on the sticks of, you know, your, your fourth line type guys. And I mean, Walker obviously didn't literally didn't do anything on, on Friday and didn't do much on Saturday. Brodzinski was kept out of the game. Not sure about injury or performance wise. I'm guessing injury, but I haven't heard anything on that. And he was, so he missed the game on Saturday. Mietnin, he's back to being invisible. I didn't think Cranola really showed up very well. There was a portion of the, 
the game, I'm like, I haven't heard Granola's name. Like, I thought he was injured or was taken off the ice or something because there, there was a stretch where I it felt like about 15 minutes where he just did nothing. And the power play and the power play woes kind of continue because we keep trying this sidewall one-timer and we again keep we keep trying to go to it and we're too deep into it uh we keep firing and missing the net reading the puck around or if it was uh, now i'm gonna forget who i think it was sulquist you know tried it uh, a one-timer and he whiffed on the shot almost completely that was on Saturday's game, and it's like, if you don't have Bradzinski, someone who's capable of making that shot, why do we keep going to it? Now, granted, I don't know if Sulquist can make that, and he just didn't have a good chance at it that time, but he hasn't proven it yet, and I don't. it just feels weird that we keep going to this same play, and it hasn't worked yet. And the one goal we did score on the power play was a tip out in front, you know, like we've been able to convert so far this year. Yeah, it's uh, are we done with Friday or do we kind of want to meld both of the games in? I mean, I guess I might. have. I to... don't know. Now I'm just kind of spitballing here. So as we, always, as we go we back to Friday, do. like as we always do, we don't nobody listens to us for structure. That's that's right. That is right. Um, <laughs> well, and then you you pulled her uh which I, I thought was a kind of a weird time to do it, but I, I think it was a good call because it was five, nothing, but they waited a couple of minutes until about the 10 minute mark on the third after a whistle it was not one of the, it wasn't the last goal that Hrenik had surrendered. So they waited a couple of whistles and then sort of quietly pulled him, which I think was kind of smart because I don't, I thought the third goal from Hrenak was uh, kind of a rebound chance that I'm sure he wants back, but the others, I wouldn't really fault him for any of the others. Um, lots of odd man chances and yeah, and, and whatnot. It, but you don't want to, I think Hrenak's confidence has always been something for the last five years now where he's obviously the better goalie when he's, when he's got confidence, you don't want to dash his, his confidence so much by pulling him. And you know, the crowd was just, whipped up in a lather all weekend and they would have done their chance and whatever. So kind of getting him out of the game, kind of maintaining his pride and just doing it quietly like that, I thought was fine, except I was under the impression that he was going to be starting on Saturday. So I was a little bit surprised that that caster got the start again. Um, I, I had some issues with the uh, coaching changes that they made on Saturday. They, they jumbled the lines up. I mean, you're, you're breaking Fitzgerald and Miller up. I've been raving about the uh, the bromance between those two. It's been your by far your most uh, productive pairing. I mean, it's not even a Consistent. line. You got, really got cut. You got Cup on the line, but not doing much. It's really Fitzgerald and Miller that are that have been carrying the offense and getting the most important goals for this team the last few weeks. You, you break those guys up. You break the Finns up, which I'm not terribly against that idea. But in a situation like this, I. This would have been something you jumble the lines up after, you know, the second Wisconsin game or something like that. When you're kind of flying high and you're not sort of coming off a, a, a lopsided loss. This was just it's almost like the old getaway day. Tom Kelly's Sunday lineup for the twins. We just pick guys out of a hat. Not sure if that was the best approach uh, in a game where you were clearly outplayed and you kind of want to get back on the mat the next day. and so. Even though I didn't think Castor played poorly on on Saturday, team was shut out. I think part of that is attributed to the fact that these line pairings, these these line combinations, were you haven't had a bunch of experience in chemistry with with these new lines. So I did question the uh, the the changes made prior to the to the Saturday game. Did you hear anything about Bratzinski? Because I'm almost wondering that it was an injury of some sort. Because while he didn't play especially well on Friday, the whole team really didn't either. And he didn't stand out as being overly bad. I, I would, I guess I would have been very surprised if this was just a straight benching because generally you don't do that with five-year graduate student 
you know, expected sort of scoring leaders. Did you hear anything about uh, his status? I I haven't heard anything, and I don't think there was a coaches show because um, obviously we got the bye week here. So I don't know. I'm of a couple of different mindsets with it because he took the misconduct penalty or not misconduct. It was the unsportsmanlike conduct penalty after the icing on Friday's game, and I don't think he. M- made he had a lot of ice time the rest of the game there on friday but but the right even the rest of that game he didn't really play that and so i can't imagine you know and it wasn't like a scrum where he could have got injured so you know if this is some type of a benching or 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 whatnot you know i i've saw something people speculate on twitter since that was his third on sportsmanlike conduct it's a one game suspension for the conference but i think that's only that's an NCAA rule for game misconducts, not just unsportsmanlike conduct. So I don't, I don't know. There's a lot of weird speculation, but if you're trying to find chemistry or you're trying to find, you know, ways to generate five on five scoring, which was Larson's big reason for making all these line lineup changes and whatnot, not playing one of your better goal scorers, your hundred point scorer is, is not the right way to do it. You know, right. so that's that. But I think it's got to be know, something. It just, it's got to be. I, I think if it was suspended, I think we would have heard about that. Um, yeah. And I'm not. Yeah, I'm not as plugged in as I used to be. So but usually even like us show will have that, you know, game suspensions and whatnot. It was something like that. It, it would make more sense. Uh, and uh, yeah, if it was an injury, you think that we would have heard about that, too, at least from St. Cloud's end. So little baffling there and maybe it is a maybe it was a benching it just strikes me as a weird time for for a benching uh if it if it's a benching it's it's hit the i mean you got one bullet in the chamber to fire yeah. and maybe we shouldn't speculate we shouldn't yeah. speculate if we don't if we don't know exactly what the, the that's deal what is. this podcast is yeah, for is. just two fans sitting around speculating <laughs> i suppose is- it, it, it's a it's a bold move and maybe it's just setting a message sending a message to the team. And if that's trying to send a message to the team, I don't know how much it landed by getting shut out. Now you threw a lot of shots on net and I thought, you know, they controlled the game really well, but again, you didn't convert on any of your chances, you know, splitting up the fins. Certainly, certainly didn't really work very well from the fact that Cranel had two shots on goal yet and one shot on goal on Saturday. I mean, these are guys are pretty consistently 10 shot, you know, close to 10 shots on goal or at least more of those as far as like opportunities uh, as shot attempts. Those are the only shot attempts they had even, I mean, at least according to CHN. So didn't seem to, didn't seem to work at least from those two guys' perspective. Yeah. You had Pervix with eight Donahue with four and I don't want Donahue leading anything. Yeah. (laughs) So, and then Two nothing again. They scored two goals incredibly quickly. One was on a botched line. Yeah, was, we moved on to Saturday. So yep, try to follow. Yep. <laughs> um, botched line change ends up being a three on one. They had another one of those. Yeah. They had another terrible change later in the game that Western had a glorious opportunity there. And I think line changes are always tricky as far as who to pin the blame on, but. I mean, it's partly coaching, but partly the players as well. I think it might be attributable to the fact that the the lines were not used to playing with each other and coming off the same time and whatnot. I think that's also could be a uh, a result of that uh, lack of chemistry just from a bench standpoint. Um, and yeah, it uh, it was the game winning goal. His first goal on Saturday was based on a, a, a bad line change and ends up on a three on one won- for Western. And that was really frustrating because that was right after the Huskies had a really good penalty kill and, and killed off the Perbix penalty. Right. Um, so it's like, okay, we got that penalty and, or we got that penalty killed off. You know, people are trying to get their line changes back together and then three on one, you know, I was like, okay, just shake it off. Bad line changes that happen. And by the time I finished that thought, you know, Joyo makes it two nothing. And, and it was what, 15 seconds later or something like that. So, and then after that, I was like, okay, this just isn't our weekend. Um, you know, there were Friday, there were 
two goals in quick succession, three if you want to count at the end of the third or at the end of the second to the beginning of the third, two goals in quick succession here. And, you know, Husky team last year was able to punch back. And as of right now, this Husky team so far, comprised of mostly the same players, hasn't punched back after a goal. Yeah. They've turtled. Yeah, and I'm still sort of, this is a tough team to read for me. I'm not exactly sure on what kind of team is that, that, that the Huskies have. And I'm coming more to the conclusion that this is more going to be a defensive first team. Um, maybe it's unrealistic for us to expect four or five goals a game from this offense. It's happened. Numerous times this year, they've been able to rack up some goals against some lesser competition. Yeah, and I'm worried. Yeah, I mean, there's not a, a ton of like really impressive wins for this team. I mean, the Wisconsin, like I said, garbage team. St. Thomas, garbage team. The Mankato win is a good one. I don't even think they played especially well. Though that Gopher, that Gopher win looks less and less impressive as the Gophers are basically like a 500 team now. So I'm wondering where the, and I didn't really, I wasn't blown away by their performance at CC. We've talked pretty lengthy, you know, looked great against UNL on Friday. Couldn't finish on Saturday. That was kind of a frustrating end of the weekend. But I'm so, I'm wondering if this is going to be more of a defensive first team that is is going to be solid on the back end and and just have a, a workmanlike offense to get you through the day. The problem there isn't it hey if you don't have a high-flying offense then it's not like you can just generate that with a flick of a switch you got to work with what you have but risk there is that you're i think Horanak needs to be a plus every weekend and i don't think it's reasonable to expect anybody to be a plus every single weekend for the back end and he has been pretty much until this weekend like i said i wanted him to start on saturday i don't think he lost the game for them on friday so and you don't you can't rattle that confidence. You kind of got to ride him and and keep that confidence as high as possible. Uh, maybe, maybe like I said, maybe, maybe giving him a break, uh, giving him a rest re- re- restores that confidence. I don't know. I don't know the players' psychology. They the coaches and they would know that much more than I do. I'm just going off of a hunch. But um, you know, and the other thing is, I'm, I'm I always go back and forth about. And I'm wondering what your take is about. You hear about the grease pan uh, thing with, uh, you know, Shyak is a defensive guy, but you're talking about getting the greasy goals. And I like that. I mean, at one hand, I like that approach. I think it's an approach that the Huskies should try to incorporate more because we're always talking about seem to be content with outside chances and not getting too dirty uh, in the slot area. At the same time, let's take a buzzword. And I'm not a huge fan of slogans and buzzwords. And you think of like the gopher football coach and rowing the boat and whatever. And I think a lot of it can be overused and you can sort of fall in love with. We don't want to play a kind of a high flying game. We're just going to be content with the garbage goals kind of thing. The main thing I have is I'm not sure if this is the personnel to play a grease pan type of game. I, I don't think that Mietnin and, Cranola and those kind of guys are necessarily most comfortable playing that sort of gritty in the slot, physical banging and rebounds type of game. And maybe this uh, this mantra would be better suited if you had a, a team that was more built with that kind of player. So I, I I don't know. Maybe I'm not making sense, but I'm just more frustrated as far as I'm not exactly sure what the what the true identity of the team is. And a lot of times teams don't find that identity until the second half of the year. I mean, it was famously like North Dakota would always take the first half of the year off before, before they would get on their run. Uh, and then they'd make deep runs in the playoffs seemingly every year. So maybe this is a team that needs a little bit more to, to get there. But you know, at the same time, this is so much basically the same team that they had last year. You'd think that a lot of that uh, chemistry yeah. stuff would have, would have carried over. Um, so I, I don't know, uh, this was a weekend that, and I said last weekend that I wasn't going to say this was an embarrassing loss to Western. I think Western's a 
formidable opponent. It's not embarrassing from for losing to them, especially in their building standpoint. But embarrassing from the Husky standpoint is that they did not look close to a competitive team this week, I, as far as I'm concerned. And so maybe take this break, uh, take this bye week. Uh, you got another big series coming up with a rival in North Dakota at home. Um, maybe that'll give them some time to maybe just even take the mind off the game for a little bit. You know, go to Thanksgiving and and uh, don't stress out about it too much. Sometimes that's as much of a remedy as two practices a day are. Uh, but hopefully we can figure some stuff out here in the next uh, week plus before uh, Big Rival comes to town. Um, I don't know. Any response to that set of rambling? I agree with you on most points. The one thing I will kind of push back on is that Especially on Saturday, watching that game, there's there, you can't really tell me that Western is a better five-on-five team than St. Cloud. You know, we just need to do a better job converting on on these chances that we're given. I, I think I still believe it will come together. Um, I think everybody's just kind of on a different page now. Just looking at you know we there's a there's a penalty. Late in the game, down by two, we pull the goalie. Our sixth man comes up, and it's Kyler Coco. And I'm just sitting here thinking, what is the purpose? The guy has had three goals in his career here at St. Cloud State, and he's our best option to try to pop in or try to get back in in this game. I thought it was too too early of a pull, too. Three and a half minutes to go, and it was. I could see it if, like, you've got sustained pressure in the end, in the offensive zone, and you want to get another guy out. But they really never set set up the power play at all. Busted up power play, and then they pull Caster about forty five seconds left in the power play, and again about three and a half minutes to go, uh, and then they get the empty netter very quickly after. I, I thought that was that was uh, too early of a pull. Generally, I don't like pulling the goalie suit. Uh, with I, I'm more conservative with that, but you already, you already have a man advantage and, uh, and, and, and that's, and there's two schools of thought uh, on, on, on the man advantage, pulling the goalie. That's obviously six on four. That's more of your guys, less of their guys, but they can ice the pocket right. and it's free range at, at the empty net. I blame Patrick Waugh because <laughs> he was the only reason I think that, uh, that the, Pulling the goalie time has greatly expanded. Do you remember the game? It was maybe it was one of the, it was a, one of the first couple of years in the league where Montgomery for Denver. I think it was three nothing Huskies. It was at St. Cloud. He pulled the goalie with like nine minutes to go in the third. The Huskies did not score. He didn't. I don't think they had. I think he was pull, putting him back in. Like if there was a face off in their zone yeah. or something. But I think it was mainly he was mainly out of the net for the last nine minutes of the game. Then the Huskies did not score an empty netter. Um, so uh, that was one where yeah, I mean even Wah was more like five they, minutes they, to go. But this one was they hey, won the game though, right? Huskies did. Yeah, the Huskies were up three yeah, nothing. And so yeah, it was no harm, no foul. I'm not. I'm not sure if Denver scored a goal in the in that time. I'm not sure. But yeah, I mean it was just it was just amazing that they played the bulk of half a period without a goalie. And Oski still didn't score. My my Denver memory at home was Huskies up two nothing midway through the third period, and Rhett Shani scores hat-trick. Th- scores a hat trick, and we lose like a hat trick. And like I don't know, it was probably more than this, but it felt like a four minute. Like it was the last five <laughs> minutes of the game. Um, yeah, they're all three of them were in the last five minutes. <sighs> yeah, that was like my birth. That's like my birthday. Or it was like, I think I had my parents up and for, we were going to the game because it's my birthday. It might not have been my actual birthday, but like we were celebrating my birthday. And so, yeah, great, great uh, birthday gift. Hmm. So, I mean, I know that we've dragged, you know, a cup a little bit on this podcast as of late, but I mean, it's just the point that we have no better option or we felt like we didn't have a better option or whatnot. Um, to, to go out there, you know, on, on a six on four, which again, you don't practice a six on four. Um, I kind of like having 
you know, in that situation, just having a longer man advantage. So, you know, taking your full two minutes and then having an option to pull the goalie to make it six minutes five. I like that a little bit better. But then at the same token, you're down by two. So, you know, what the hell? <laughs> but then we keep uh, we keep the goalie out, which I, I, I think my wife actually really appreciates because she very much is like, you know, if you're down by two... And they score an empty netter, just leave them out. Like, what's the worst that's going to happen? It's like, oh, well, I guess that's that's a school of thought. You have that school of thought, but then there's also the possibility, I think the Wild, was it against the Panthers this weekend, where you had the Panthers' game-winning goal being in an empty netter? Yeah. So you always have uh, the the risk of, of that as well. But, yeah, I don't, yeah, down by two, I, I just, yeah, I don't, I guess I'm not, yeah, that wasn't the reason they lost the game. It was just a yet another sort of exclamation point on a, a frustrating weekend. So the Go Huskies Woo Player of the Weekend, the Pow Pow, which is on on this weekend, kind of a huh? <laughs> you know who do you what what do you go for and whatnot? Go Huskies Woo. Um, he said it was kind of a toss up between Hurt uh, and Ledkey. My pick, um, at least, was Ledke. Um, I thought he played, you know, solid both games. Um, Bushy, I thought, um, did not play very well on uh, on Friday's game. And I've been raving about him lately. I thought Trey Ball. They sat him on Saturday, correct, Bushy? Bushy, correct, was sat on Saturday. Uh, Jay Cox was back in. So, um, but um, I thought Ledke, I, I thought he played, you know, I, I thought he took kind of the, a, a good step for being a freshman defenseman. So that's, uh, I, I thought he made some good plays with the puck, puck moving and whatnot. So that's, uh, that, that would be my pick um, for player of the weekend. Just, just nothing obviously on fire with score sheets because there wasn't anything really, but that's, uh, Kind of what my pick would be. So, who would you say? And are we going with uh, now? I this is like another Pert Pierre situation. Believe that yeah, the original but- pronunciation guide that we roundly mocked, rightfully mocked, thought that had Ludkey on it, and that seems like what the announcers are going with early. But now, in the last couple of weeks, I've heard Ledkey, and you can go either way with that e, that U E uh, bigram. So, is it Ledkey? Is that what we're going with now? Well, now I'm thinking about it. So now I do, now I have no idea because it can, it's kind it can of like be both. Everybody's like now. It, it reminds me when people are like oh Minnesota accents and bag, and I'm like, I don't hear a difference. What are you talking about? And it's like, well, one is bag and the other is bag, and it's like nobody says it like the second way. No, well, it's I'm just stressing how it sounds, and it's like no, it, you're not. You're just making a longer a. Oh, I hate. <laughs> uh, I, I hate uh don't okay i'm I'm sorry i, I got sidetracked <laughs> I'm, I'm big stupid but yeah um like when you say is it lutkey or letkey or ludkey now now i'm thinking about it now i don't know which way to go and there doesn't seem to be consistency with the announcers either so yeah. that'll be another mystery as far as how to pronunciate Guys, I'm my power of the week is none of the above. Uh, no one, nobody was deserving. Nobody was deserving of a player of the week for in this weekend. In all, in all seriousness, I did think that Ludkey, Letkey, Lutkey did look good. I've been raving about him enough though this year. Um, so yeah, I uh, do better next week, and I'll come up with a pow. Or yeah, next weekend, not, not weeks. this weekend, but next. The North Dakota weekend, you, you know what I'm saying. Yep, I got gotcha. you. So, uh, so that, uh, yeah, let's just, you know, I kind of feel like this was what Motsko would call kind of a trash can game, trash can series. You look at it once, you throw it away, and not think of it again. So hopefully the Huskies uh, end up doing that and just uh, kind of turn the pages. I I just worry that this team is kind of reminding me of the 0304 Huskies. Where, you know, they started off the season incredibly well, where, you know, they I think they started like nine oh and one 
you know, a sweep at Duluth, um, a, a sweep at home against Wisconsin. And back then, I mean, Wisconsin had, I mean, their top pairing was Ryan Suter and Tom Gilbert, you know. <laughs> so it's, you know, so we start out really well. And then, I'll, you know, we end the season with seven straight losses and four of them were at Mariucci, you know. So where the wheels just kind of fall off. And I, I worry about that having, you know, a good start to the season. Um, and then just behind the scenes, something's happened and everything just kind of crumbles. So that's, I, I hope everything kind of gets straightened out and everyone gets back on the same page. Um, because I just feel everyone is really disjointed. Right now. Yeah. And like I said, maybe the, maybe the break will, will do them wonders. Um, we'll see, but, uh, and I'm, I'm going to be interested to see what the, how the lines are looking the next time. Because uh, yeah, I think you got to go back. I, you yeah, got to go. Back. I think some of those Moscow, you know, late Moscow teams were better at the uh, blender style shuffling of the lines. I'm not sure if this is a group. I think this group is more one that likes the consistency of who they're playing with. So we'll see. Uh, we'll see how they uh, adjust to this. This is part of the long haul of the season is that you're going to go through. Weekends yeah. like this, even even top teams and uh, tournament teams. So, uh, how they rebound? If you, if you were gonna rank one through ten, where your panic meter is, where where are you at? Um, I guess right in the middle. I mean, I know of at least one friend who's kind of taking the Zen approach. With it, and I'm like, ah, he's like, I'm not, I'm not hitting the panic button. I'm like, I might be close to getting there. Um, yeah, I, I, and maybe, and I just, I look back on the results of of earlier this year. There are plenty of games, like we said, that we can point to that the Huskies look great. But as far as looking great against tournament level competition, let's say. I haven't been blown away, and maybe part of this, I think, too, is that I'm getting psyched out about the made the title game last year and and so we we're almost i'm almost setting that as the bar here as the minimum they have to clear and that's tough because there's only one way to clear that bar and and yeah if this is a defensive first team i think it's fair to argue that that's that style of play plays very well come april and larson should know a thing or two about that because he Coach the defense on a team that won four two to one games in a frozen four not too long ago. So I'm not going to say that that is not the f- right formula to employ. I'm just not sure if this is the best group to do that with. Um, so I don't know. I, I I'll put it at five because I I'm not completely sold on the team, but there are there is enough evidence too that would talk me off the ledge too. So. Tough to tough to say. How about you? Um, right now I would say I'm at about a four. Okay. Um, and I, again, I I am I w- I'm more bullish on how they played over the weekend, and but I just feel like everybody's not on the same page, and I think once they get on the same page, we're going to be rocking and rolling again. Um, you know, and who knows if Henches, you know, kind of gets back to a hundred percent. You know, he can really jumpstart and, and get these lines back into a shape where it's a little bit more consistent. You know, the big thing that I'm looking at right now is I believe the Husky has scored 47 goals on the season, and 20 of them were on the power play. And so we're looking at, you know, over 40% of our goals are scored on the power play. And over the last two weekends, our power play has really dried up. And keep in mind, too, that that uh, power play percentage, keep in mind, that's seven out of 10 on that first weekend against St. Thomas, which I'm not sure how much we can really factor that into the overall score. I mean, St. Thomas is borderline, not even a D1 level team. So that number and that power play is still hovering around 30%. Keep that in mind that it was kind of inflated with that 7 out of 10 performance right out of that gate. I was actually looking at St. Thomas uh, because I was curious on how their 
football team is doing at Division One, and their football team's actually doing pretty well. And that was like the reason why they obviously jumped to D one is because they were kicked out of yeah. the the MIAC. They're in a really weird conference. If you look at, I don't know what it's called, uh, but they got teams in California, Florida, North Carolina, somewhere on like the New England East Coast, then like Iowa, Indiana. It's just completely scattershot. Yeah, it's it, it's all over the place. Uh, but right now, overall, they're they're sitting at seven and three overall. Wow! For, so for a D three, will their uh, hockey team outwin them this year? No, I don't think so. I thought I everything at the beginning of the year. I thought maybe they get eight wins. It's I don't think they're gonna get eight wins. Did the Tommies play their last game? Yeah, they played their last game. So they're yeah, they're done. So they're they're done. And they don't finish third in their conference yeah, behind they, Davidson and San Diego. There you go. The, I think Davidson is one of those North Carolina schools. So coast to coast rivalry. So heading over to the weekend and uh, just the rest of the game that or rest of the games that were kind of on the docket in the NCHC in particular, it was kind of a, you know, the, the big matchup here was the, uh, Minnesota Duluth North Dakota game. Duluth takes care of business on Friday, wins four to one. Saturday, North Dakota comes back, wins two to one. Sanderson did not play in that game um, on Saturday, which was like kind of interesting. Illness, Den- non-COVID illness, Il- so not an injury. Gotcha. Did did he eat a cookie? Might have eaten. He might have had or- a bad a bad cookie. Yeah. It pain it pains me to say it pains me to say this by the way, but thinking Duluth's the team to beat the NCHC this year. I don't know. I don't know. I know we got a lot of Duluth. It is it's very I have a lot of Duluth friends friends and whatnot, but I just that's just a team that plays so well together. And I did praise the Huskies also for playing so well as a cohesive unit together, which I don't think has happened the last couple of weekends. Um, but there's no nobody that really jumps out to me that is kind of a game breaker again for, or, you know, kind of a stalwart, like, oh, that's somebody we have to key in on or watch. Everyone's just kind of a, they got four second liners. You know, <laughs> four second line. They won. And- they won multiple national titles without a first line, true first line. Yeah. Uh, I mean, uh, they yeah. they didn't have a point per game guy in either of those years. I think Perunovic was their leading scorer both of the years. Uh, so they can they can win without without a top line. And that Gilling. I mean, you were all talking about transfer portal, transfer portal. Gilling, former Miami guy, pops in a couple on Friday for him, and he seems to be. I mean, he's not leading the team in scoring or anything like that, but seems to be getting some key goals for them. Uh, so, yeah. and Fanti, I mean, he had what the three shutout, obviously that streak was broken, but I mean, he's not, he seems very stingy uh, and they seem to always just, it doesn't even matter where they get these goalies. It's just even going back to like Cascasuo, like who was an NAHL guy. They just seem to be lining, yeah. lining them up every single year. Uh, and I think it's a good defensive structure that they, that they play in, but uh as we said, defense uh, takes you a long way in the le- in in this league and, and in the NCAA's. So I, I think they the fancy one point four goals against with a nine four four save percentage. Yeah, yeah. And so that's uh, they're going to be a, a tough team, and they've already banked a bunch of key wins too in the in the year. So I think they're definitely going to be in the tournament, uh, barring a complete collapse. Uh, again, tough to say that pre Thanksgiving, but just based on their history and then what we've seen so far this year, I think they're going to be a, a very difficult out. Yep. They got four games against Miami left. They don't play Colorado college the rest of the year. Uh, one series with Omaha as well. Yep. And they got a so. non-conference against Man- uh, Mankato, which will be a, 
good series. Yeah. So. Uh, the, the other one was uh, Denver uh, taking care of Miami fairly easily. Four to one, then seven to one, and then ended up dropping in the US. Yeah. Because of course. It, <laughs> one, one more good US. Wisconsin. Wisconsin. Wisconsin shut out this this week in the Ostro poll. Uh, the Ostro poll after well, after, which after, is after they we were at. yeah they, <laughs> they uh, got swept at Michigan State, vaunted Michigan State should I add, but uh, fear not uh, they still three votes came in this week for uh, Boston University uh, sitting there at four eight and two um, and probably the biggest disappointment I'd say nationally so far this year. Go. It's more more uh, fodder for the theory that it's just all about the name brand and traditional powers. Yeah, if uh, I mean BU, BU is lost to Sacred Heart. They lost to UConn. They lost to Miramac earlier this year. They got blown out of the building in Northern Michigan, but they beat UMass uh, in overtime. So. Three people think that they're worthy of a vote, <laughs> or maybe just one person. Again, it could be no one. No one discloses these votes. Sitting at seventeen, yeah. So who knows? Yeah, it's still a travesty. So that's uh, you know looking at the standings as well. You know we got uh, North Dakota leading there at fifteen points, then Denver uh, at twelve, Minnesota Duluth at eleven, and then St. Cloud State, Western Michigan tied here at nine. Um, which is kind of what was uh, expected at, uh, for the for the top five. You know, you could kind of say Omaha, you know, sitting there at five conference points. North Dakota, big big matchup there against uh, Minnesota uh, coming up next weekend. Non conference, but you know, anytime those two teams get together, I do think that series has lost a little bit of its luster, you know, from, you know, the old WCHA days and whatnot, but uh, it's still, I think when, you know, the fans really get into it um, and that's going to be, that's going to be a fun, fun series to tune into. That's probably what I'm going to be watching over. Yeah, that should be a good one. Um, It's funny that the Huskies jet, I, I think the only time in like the last 15 years or so that they've played on Thanksgiving weekend was a Bemidji series. Bemidji always plays. I, I, I get the feeling that the Saratories don't like to get together for Thanksgiving because Bemidji seemingly goes out of its way to schedule games not only on Thanksgiving weekend, but this this year they're going to Arizona State and playing a Wednesday-Friday series. So I would assume they're going to have their turkey dinner in Tempe. Uh, but yeah, the Huskies generally have this weekend off and I'm, uh, I'm wondering if, um, do you like, like, and I saw that they used to have like a fair amount of like holiday tournaments. I know Notre Dame had one for a couple of years, a couple out East. There was no, no Thanksgiving holiday tournaments this year, which I was a bit surprised at. Um, what's your, uh, take on do you want? Do you like playing on Thanksgiving weekend, or would you rather have that off? I'd rather have that off. I think I would. Too. And I think also because that's a good spot in the season to kind of take a break right before you hit the, you know, a couple of weeks right before the, you know, it's a good, you know, I don't, I guess I, I I'm not into horse racing. What three quarter pole or quarter pole or you know one of those two where you're one fourth like the, of the uh, way through. Like the third pole. I don't think that's actually a horse racing term, but it's almost the halfway. I mean, Chris, I've never, Christmas I've never bet half. on the ponies, so I, I, I wouldn't know. You ever you ever bet on the ponies? I, I used to watch like the Kentucky Derby like every every year, but never actually you know went to Canterbury or anything like that. So it's I, I feel like it's a good good place to kind of recharge, rest, and then kind of come back swinging here for the next couple of weeks. And I hope that's what the Huskies do. I like Thanksgiving too. I, maybe I'm just biased as the fact of, you know, I, I do like the holiday itself. Um, and so would I want to be spending it on the road in a hotel somewhere? You know, if 
if it was up to me, I'd rather have the turkey. But and yeah, rest of the weekend is is kind of kind of a dud when it comes to uh, college hockey matchups. Uh, Alaska is traveling to Duluth to, to play the Bulldogs. There, Long Island is going to Miami. <laughs> so, I mean, is this going to be uh, another another win for Long Island? Maybe. Another win? Do they have one yet? I know they've tied a couple. I mean, they tied U.S. Lowell, which I was raving about a couple weeks ago, or last week, I think. Not, not sure if they've actually one. won, yeah, a D1 versus a D1 team. No, no. they've won two, um, I believe, Division three Assumption and Post. Well, you know, when you're playing Post, it's uh, you're in for a battle. Yeah. I mean, but they tied Lowell, they tied Princeton, and they tied RPI. Obviously, those aren't going to light the world on fire, but, I mean, it's Miami, so, you know, kind of. Yeah, and, and I'll be I'll be on upset watch. I'll, I'd be. Well, I'd, is it? You know, it'll be an upset, but, I mean, <laughs> man, Miami, Miami looks rough. Um, questions. We had one question, and kind of ties into uh, Thanksgiving. If you were to. Um, best Thanksgiving side dish. All of them. What would, uh, all, all of them. No, let's see. Uh, you're copping out on player of the weekend. You're copping well, out at side dishes. It would be easier for me to think of. Like, I don't really like the cranberry sauce. Like it'd be easier to think about the things I don't like. Um, I mean, I, I like, okay. I like the stuffing. I will say that my aunt traditionally was in charge of that not a big fan of her stuffing but it was still like i, I like it come on are you aunt, get it are, together it's like a nutty stuffing not a Ugh. not a big fan of the nutty stuffings um, that's gross but uh this is are you a kind of thanksgiving eater where you kind of mix everything together because i kind of am so if you do that um and especially like the leftover sandwich Use like a roll, put a little mashed potatoes, some stuff. That in, yes, some turkeys, like some as gravy. Far as like if if I've got it on my plate, like I'm not mixing anything together. Usually, I'm just going around. And I'm, having, I'm. I had a roommate in college. Like I had a roommate in college that would eat like one portion of something entirely before moving on to the next. Like it's, he wouldn't that, even cross his yeah, taste buds. Yeah, if I thought that. Was but not normally, like, yeah, every once in a while, like, maybe I'll I'll mix. Like, if there's not already gravy on my mashed potatoes, I'll scoop some mashed potatoes and some corn and whatnot. That's, and, and I was going to say, like, do you do the, uh, do, do you hollow out the top of the mashed potatoes and put some corn in there and then put your gravy in? Because that's like a no-brainer for me. Um, no, I don't like the corn and the gravy together. Mm. Um, so... And also the corn that my mom makes is kind of a specialty baked. Okay, well, like it's something. A, yeah, it's it's something entirely different. That's oh, it's so good. Are you a family that has green bean casserole at the at the uh, dinner or at the the meal? Yes, that's yep. another one where can vary. That on the I recipe. will mix with my mashed potatoes. I like I like it. It's not my favorite, but I like it. Um, again, like I said, there's there's more things. Or there's it's a tougher question to think of what I don't like. Is I mean, even like the cranberry sauce, I might put one of that, some of that on the uh, the leftover sandwich. Um, pumpkin pie. What what sort of pie do you have? Again, there's I'm not picky about pies. Pecan. This is great. Okay. Uh, and okay. Now here we go. Now are we doing pecan or pecan? This is this like, is old. Where, where does this end? This is an old uh, linguistic battle. But mm. pecan. Um, I'd say pecan is probably. I think they're both like. Uh, if you look at the dictionary, I bet they're both listed as acceptable pronunciations. But yeah, I think it's pecan is probably better. But I just always. It's like my. Automa- I just kind of go with pecan. It's kind of like a habit. I don't know. but Sure. 
Um, yeah, usually we have pumpkin pie, and I'm I'm not a fan of pumpkin really. Pie. I do like yeah, it. I do like it. Teresa, Teresa, my wife, loves pumpkin pie. No, I like it. I can or, see why. So. I can see why those that don't like it because it is kind of just the. It's the one. It's a kind of a one note thing. You know, the whole thing is just filling. Where it's not like an apple pie or something. Or you got chunks of this and then some of the strudel and. There's not a ton of uh, twists and turns when you're eating a pumpkin pie. It's just if you like that, you'll have that for a whole slice. And I happen mm-hmm. to like it. So um, every once in a while, we'll have uh, apple crisp. That is a good choice. That's that, that's that that's one of my. So yeah, with my um, you know, this year actually with the the in laws, we're gonna we're gonna be at Coyote Moon. They got uh, they got a buffet going. So uh, we got reservations there fairly early for the, for uh, for the twins um, because we don't want to interrupt their nap at noon. So we're going in kind of kind of a brunch type Thanksgiving. Meal. They're eating the big the big meal the big meal at you know late morning early afternoon. Yeah. yeah, that's what we've always done. I know some people hold out for like the oh, yeah. dinner time, but no, like. When I have it, like with my family, it's a little bit of a kink because uh, my sister is pregnant. She her due date is like this weekend, so I mean everything's just kind of up in the air. Um, that is very kinky. <laughs> but usually, it's um, usually we'll have like our Thanksgiving dinner around two to three ish, so it'll be f- still fairly, um, but not nearly as early what we're having this year, which again, I think is going to work. out. Um, but yeah, like the corn, my mom makes, uh, that's, that, that's good. I'm actually not a big Turkey person. Um, I'm, I'm more, I will more indulge into the sides and have Turkey there as kind of a formality. Cause, cause I should, you know, if we could just ditch the Turkey and from now on just have ham, you know, yeah. I would, I would be in that because I'm a big, yeah, the turkey's a tough, uh, a tough bird. Uh, I think a well cooked, well prepared turkey is—it's not easy. And I've had my fair share of very dry turkey, and I can see why people are not a big fan of that. But like Christmas vacation, yeah, yeah. Uh, but <laughs> just cuts it open and. Just a little dry. I made the turkey a couple of years. I I would brine I would brine it overnight, um, which helps with the moisture. And I think it's how you cook it too. Um, you either do like the thirty minute blast on high, like five hundred degrees, with a piece of foil over the breast, and then you kick it down to about three hundred for the rest of the uh, cook time. I think that's better than a uniform, you know, three seventy five four hundred roast. Uh, it's tricky, but it can be done. I, I've had very good turkeys, um, but like a chicken, chicken is much easier to, to cook, I'd say, than a turkey. Just so huge, and you've got, you know, the ratio of breast meat to the rest of the bird is, you gotta do something to prevent that from drying out, and that's, you gotta have some sort of trick, like I said, either aluminum foil or spit turning it halfway through you got to do something to prevent that and it's tough so i get i get your eye but between uh between a turkey and ham i'd still take turkey um maybe because on christmas we would have the turkey or we would have ham on christmas instead so i wouldn't want both yeah we have ham on christmas so but i would i would have it um when when are you gonna have your own cooking show like let's get it on youtube Let's get no. This is how you do it, and then while it's cooking, we can talk college hockey. I'm okay with that. Well, I just I don't I don't do enough. Uh, I have some tips. I'm I'm not saying I'm a great cook, but <laughs> I got a couple of tips. Not a, not enough for a YouTube channel, though. I don't think. Sure thing. Well, uh, from all of us here at the. Uh, at the uh, Huskies Hockey Podcast, we want to wish you a happy Thanksgiving, a safe one. Have fun out there. And, uh, well, uh, I would say that about does it. Do you have any uh, closing remarks? That's it for me. We'll uh, 
come back next week with uh, previewing the the Nodak series. But yeah, yep. happy Thanksgiving. Sounds good. Till next time. Go Huskies. Woo! Woo!